Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 58 of the Money Love Podcast. How does talking about self-sabotage sound for today? Are y'all ready? I'm actually really pumped for this episode. I have been wanting to do an episode on self-sabotage and specifically financial self-sabotage for a while now. So I'm really excited to spend the next 30-ish minutes diving into this topic with you. If you listened to last week's episode on sufficiency, you might recall me talking about certain buzzwords that I feel have gotten really popular recently, and self-sabotage is also one of those phrases. It's not the term itself that bothers me, but I think that a lot of people use the term and they're unclear on what they're actually saying. I hear a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm self-sabotaging or I can't stop self-sabotaging. And it's kind of like, okay, A, are you really self-sabotaging? Or are you just saying that because it sounds trendy? But B, there is also a huge underlying negative meaning behind the phrase self-sabotage. So when someone says that they are self-sabotaging, it's often like, I'm such a mess. I need to get my life together. I can't do anything right. Then followed by, because I keep self-sabotaging. But I actually think the fact that you are self-sabotaging does not mean that you're a failure, and it does not mean that there is something wrong with you. I think it means that you are a human with a human brain, but you're also a human who recognizes that you still have more unlocked potential within you. There is for sure an air of self-loathing and a heavy self-criticism that is there when we talk about self-sabotage, and truthfully, I don't think that there needs to be. This is because Similar to a couple things that we've talked about in the past, I think that self-sabotage is something that is really misunderstood and it's looked at incorrectly. So because of that, here's what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to talk about what self-sabotage actually is. We're going to talk about why we do it. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about specific ways that we self-sabotage with our finances. Now, I'm going to give you guys a bit of a glimpse into next week as well. To make sure that today's episode isn't two hours long, I am not going to be talking about how to address or correct your self-sabotaging actions and behaviors. That is actually going to come in next week's episode, which is an episode titled Financial Self-Care. I believe that the opposite of self-sabotage is self-care. So this week is more so the process of learning about self-sabotage and gaining awareness over it. And then next week, we will dive deeper into what we can actually do to address it. I just think that awareness is so key, you guys. And it's so much more powerful than we give it credit for because you cannot correct something that you aren't consciously aware is happening. And that is what today's episode will provide to you is awareness. Okay, so let's talk about what self-sabotage is. If you Google the definition of self-sabotage, Google will tell you that self-sabotage is 
creating unnecessary problems for one's self that interfere with your own goals. Creating unnecessary problems for yourself that interfere with your goals. If there is some sort of gap between where you are and where you want to be and your efforts to close that gap are consistently met with your own resistance and discomfort, then more than likely self-sabotage is at work. I do want to make it clear that self-sabotage is action-based. It's actions that we take that are to our detriment, or it is actions that we do not take that would be a benefit to us. So it's doing things that move us in the opposite direction of where we want to be heading, and it's avoiding actions that would take us in the direction that we want to be moving in. And I want to make sure it's very clear that self-sabotage can be both. It can be action, but it can also be inaction. Since self-sabotage is action-based, in our model, the CTFAR, self-sabotage goes into the action line of our model. It is the way that we react to our emotions. We can self-sabotage in almost every area of our life. We can self-sabotage in our careers, in our relationships, in our health, in our spirituality, and of course, yes, in our finances. But before we get into some common forms of self-sabotage, I want to dive a little bit deeper here and explore why we self-sabotage. Ultimately, what I believe is that we self-sabotage when we are resisting our emotions. And more specifically than that, when we are resisting or we have fear of feeling a future emotional state. To put it simply, we self-sabotage and we hold ourselves back because of our fear of feeling. So let's think about this and let's actually run through a couple of scenarios so you can see what I mean by this. So maybe you self-sabotage in your job. Okay, and you do that through being a big procrastinator. You do everything last minute. You know that you should be preparing for future meetings or future presentations, but you just don't do it. You wait until the last possible second, and then the work that you're doing is just so-so, but it's not anywhere near the level that you know that it could be. And subconsciously, this could be you self-sabotaging because The thought of being noticed and promoted and advanced in your company is actually subconsciously terrifying to you. Having more level of responsibility is scary. Having to manage a team and make decisions for a group of people is anxiety producing. That's one example. Maybe there's a big decision that you're trying to make and you just can't seem to come to a decision. Let's just say you're trying to decide if you want to move to a new city. Indecision and overthinking is actually a big form of self-sabotage. You overthink things and you spin in indecision because you are afraid of feeling the uncomfortableness that you know you will experience once you actually make a decision. You know it's going to be scary because it's a lot of change and it's a lot of unknown. So instead, you choose to not make any decision at all and you choose to stay stagnant in the city that you're in that you really don't like living in. You can self-sabotage in a relationship. You can engage in actions that you know will drive your partner away and ultimately dissolve the relationship. And really, it doesn't have anything to do with the other person, but it has everything to do with you. Because what you are so afraid of feeling in the future is vulnerability. 
the possibility of falling in love with someone, but then having your heart broken if you go all in on this relationship. So the fear of that future emotional state is what drives you to self-sabotage the relationship so you never have to get to that point. Now, this last one is me to a T, okay? You might resonate with this one as well, but perfectionism is also a form of self-sabotage. If you try to do everything perfectly, you will never have to face criticism. You will never have to face rejection. You'll never have to deal with someone telling you to your face that your work is subpar, that it's not good enough, that it's mediocre. So what you do instead is you indulge in the perfectionism and you try to get everything to a perfect state, which is impossible to do. And so ultimately, you don't end up putting your work out into the world because you are scared of the emotions that you will have to process once you do that and once your work starts to be exposed to other people and starts to gather feedback. So do you see what I mean? Self-sabotage is all about the actions that we take or that we don't take in order to avoid having to face certain emotions in the future that we are fearful and unwilling to feel. At the core of all of these behaviors is the fact that one part of us understands that we should be evolving and moving forward. And there's another part of us that is deeply fearful and intimidated by the potential discomfort that it's going to bring. Now, like I said last week, oftentimes when we are self-sabotaging, it's very unconscious. I think that a lot of times in the moment while it's happening, we're not aware of these connections in our brain. It's not like you show up to work and you're consciously thinking, oh, I'm just going to wait until the last minute to complete this deck, and I'm only going to do it halfway so that it's so-so, but it's not great, because ultimately at the end of the day, I'm scared of being recognized and promoted and being given more responsibility. We also aren't consciously like, oh, I'm just going to go be a jerk to my partner so that I'll drive them away and I won't have to be fully vulnerable and get my heart broken down the line. We're not consciously thinking that. But that is the difficult part about self-sabotage is that oftentimes we don't realize that we've done it until after we've done it. But this is why awareness is so key because once you start to get awareness that you've already done it in the past, you can then start recognizing it in the future once you're about to do it again. And that's really what we have to do. We have to reconcile these two parts of us the conscious and the unconscious, the part of you that is aware of what you want and the part of you that is not aware of why you keep holding yourself back. Self-sabotage is when you have two conflicting desires. You have a conscious desire and an unconscious desire. You know how you want to move your life forward and yet you are still stuck for some reason. But we have to go even deeper than that because then it becomes, okay, why are we so afraid of feeling? Why do we fight so hard and why do we keep ourselves stagnant and stuck in certain patterns simply because we are unwilling to be present with a future emotional state? Well, first off, I believe that every single human being on planet Earth self-sabotages to a certain extent because we all have human brains. And it is very normal for human beings to interfere with their own progress because of the way that the brain is wired for pleasure and for comfort. So going back to what I said at the start of the episode, instead of beating yourself up and telling yourself that you're a mess and you can't get it together and blah, 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 and just all the crap that we tell ourselves, you have to have compassion 
and understanding for yourself and just be like, oh, yes, I'm a human with a human brain that is simply just doing what it has been designed to do, (laughs) right? And as a reminder, here is what your brain is wired to do. It is wired for survival and to keep you alive, which really consists of three primary functions, which are to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient so that you can conserve energy. Now, self-sabotage has to do with those first two of seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. So I really think that there are two layers to this. I think that there are a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors that do deliver a dopamine hit to our brains, which means that they feel really good and are very pleasurable to us while we do them. These are more of the buffering activities, the overing activities that we do, which we will talk about soon. But things like the overeating, the overdrinking, the overspending, the overconsumption of social media, that for sure is a part of it, is that dopamine that we kind of get hooked to. But really, here is what I think is the most important factor, which I don't think a lot of people think about, is familiar activities versus unfamiliar activities. Y'all, this was such an aha moment for me. So please, if you're going to take one thing from this episode, please take this away. I want you to listen to it again and again until this concept sinks in. But we often get so frustrated that we keep doing these things that we know aren't good for us. We know that they're not good for our health, for our relationships, for our financial situation, for our mental state, whatever it is, but yet we can't stop doing them. And like I said, then the self-loathing and the self-hatred starts, and we start to say terrible things to ourselves that just compounds the issue and makes us feel even worse. When we binge eat instead of doing our workout, when we overspend and we drive ourselves further into debt, when we were a jerk to our partner for no good reason and we create disconnection rather than more connection in our relationship, and we say, gosh, I just don't know why I can't stop blank. I know it's not good for me, but I can't stop doing it. So hear me on this, okay? This is key. Your brain does not look at the actions that you take or that you don't take as good or bad to your overall well-being. Your brain does not look at going to the gym and be like, well, you know, this is the best thing for our health, so we're going to go to the gym today. It doesn't look at your money and go, well, our money is going towards other priorities this month, so we're just not going to impulse buy this new pair of shoes. That is not what is happening. Your brain does not think in terms of good for you versus bad for you. Your brain thinks in terms of familiar versus unfamiliar. Anything that is familiar to your brain, regardless of how detrimental it is to you, your brain is going to give you the green light to go ahead and proceed because it's pleasurable and it's mostly pleasurable because it is familiar. Things that are unfamiliar are very uncomfortable to your brain because unfamiliar situations and tasks and actions bring with them a lot of unknown and uncertainty and uncomfortable feelings that, again, your brain is going to resist feeling. So when you are like, why can't I stop doing blank? Why can't I stop overspending? Why can't I stop binge eating? Why can't I stop drinking a bottle of wine every night? Here's your answer from now on. You are going to have a hard time stopping doing the thing that you want to stop doing because it is familiar to you. 
even though your prefrontal, the human part of your brain is telling you that it's not good for you, your lizard brain, your subconscious mind overrides that a lot of the times and says, meh, we don't really care. We're just going to keep doing what we know, doing what's comfortable, doing what brings us pleasure in the moment. Your subconscious mind is the gatekeeper to your comfort zone. I'm going to say that one more time. Your subconscious lizard brain is the gatekeeper of your comfort zone. Y'all, so many people think, here's a big shift, that self-sabotage is a way that we harm ourselves, but really it is a way that your brain is working to protect you in a very primal sense. It is the way that your brain works within the confines of that motivational triad. It is seeking pleasure, i.e. doing what is familiar, and it's avoiding pain, i.e. not having you do things that are unfamiliar. Breaking self-sabotaging behaviors is so difficult for us because those self-sabotaging behaviors, even if they are destructive behaviors, they are familiar to us. Your brain has deemed them to be safe because it knows the outcome of what will happen when you do them. When you can look at it through this lens and you can be like, oh, my brain really isn't considering if this is good or bad for me in terms of where I'm trying to get to, but rather it's assessing, is this familiar, meaning it's safe, or is this unfamiliar, meaning it's unsafe? Once we make that realization, then we can stop being so hard on ourselves and realize that we're not totally lost in hopeless screw-ups that we keep telling ourselves that we are, but we can just lovingly be like, ah, yes, I'm just a human with a human brain that is working exactly how it should. Are we thinking about self-sabotage a little differently now? Before we move on to some common forms of financial self-sabotage, I just want to make sure that we are tracking and super clear on a couple of things. One, Self-sabotage is you engaging in any type of action or inaction that keeps you from accomplishing your goals. They are actions that move you farther away from the end result that you want to create, or it's you avoiding the actions that would take you closer to where you're trying to get to. The root of our self-sabotage behavior is really a fear and a resistance against feeling a future emotional state. And your brain does not look at self-sabotage as harming you. Your brain looks at self-sabotage as protecting you. Self-sabotage behaviors happen subconsciously, and although they are actions or inactions that are to our detriment, they are still pleasurable to an extent because they are familiar to us and they feel safe to us. Okay, I just want to do a quick recap there before we move on. But now that we have a foundation laid and hopefully you have a better understanding of self-sabotage, I want to spend the rest of the episode talking about common forms of self-sabotage behavior when it comes to our finances. I'm not saying that you will identify with all of these. Maybe you do some of these and you will see yourself in a handful of them. But again, we don't need to use this as a reason to beat ourselves up, but rather use it as an opportunity to understand ourselves on a deeper level, okay? So there are really four main themes that I see a lot when it comes to self-sabotaging with finances, and those are avoidance and procrastination, buffering with overspending, overthinking and worrying about money, and not having a plan and not setting financial goals. We're going to go through each one. So 
Let's start with the first one, which is avoidance and procrastination. Now, I would say for this one, avoidance is really big in the money space. I see this with a lot of my students and a lot of my clients. It's the sticking your head in the sand complex, basically just not paying attention, not being present with your money, acting like your financial issues or problems just don't exist. And I will say this, there is a big difference between failing because you are trying something new and failing because you're just not showing up. And avoidance can actually lead to a lot of other issues as well. One main issue is just disorganization. You know what I mean by this. When you're not paying attention to something, things will just start to pile up and pile up and pile up. Disorganization can also be a really subtle form of self-sabotage that leads to things like you having no transparency into where your money is going, you're not paying your bills on time, you're missing credit card payments, things like that. So with avoidance and procrastination, ultimately, we are avoiding the uncomfortable feelings that we know that we will feel when we start paying attention to our money. So maybe you think that you're going to feel overwhelmed or confused or you're going to feel like a failure when you are actually faced head on with your financial situation. And the resistance to all of that is what makes you avoid it altogether, right? But the ironic thing is that you cannot escape the discomfort. When we remind ourselves that discomfort is part of the deal and that procrastinating doesn't prevent the discomfort, it just prolongs it and it delegates it to some future moment for ourselves. But then we still have the goal that we want to accomplish, but now we've procrastinated and put it off. And now we have the discomfort of knowing that we self-sabotaged our goal. Okay. It's just kind of crazy to think about it like that. The next really common form of self-sabotage with money is the buffering piece of it, which comes from the spending, really the overspending. This isn't the spending that we're doing from a very controlled and intentional place. It's the spending that we do where we are chasing that hit of dopamine and we're using our money as a form of entertainment. Now, the reason that this type of spending is a problem is because it's often done impulsively and oftentimes it's money that is spent at the expense of something else, like some other financial goal that you're working towards hitting. Or it's money that you just don't have, which means that you're racking up credit card debt. It's money spent that you always feel terrible about afterwards. It takes you really high up with that dopamine hit, but then there's always a super fast crash afterwards. This is a form of self-sabotage because, again, it's spending that is taking you further and further away from the financial results that you want to create, not closer to them. Just like anything that gets in our way of our fullest potential, There's a payoff in the short term that we are exchanging for the ultimate payoff in the long term. Again, just something interesting to think about. The third type of common self-sabotage with our finances is worrying and overthinking. Yes, worrying about money is a form of self-sabotage with our finances. And I know that this one might not seem like self-sabotage to you, but worrying simply gives us a false sense of security and control. Now, if you haven't yet, go and listen to episode 52 after this episode, which is all about worrying about money. And what I tell you in that episode is that worrying and overthinking things pretends to be necessary, but it's really not. We convince ourselves that we're being very mature and very responsible when we worry about things, especially money, right? 
And a lot of people think that there's just no other option but to worry about money. But here is why this is actually a form of self-sabotage, because again, it keeps you stuck and stagnant. You are not doing anything productive when you are worrying or overthinking past a certain point. You think that you're being productive when you're worrying, but all you're doing is prolonging the discomfort, right? Because if you actually just make a decision or if you started to take some action to solve the problem that you're worrying about, then yes, of course that would be uncomfortable, which again is what you're trying to avoid with the worrying, but you would actually start to make some progress towards solving the issue. That is why worrying and overthinking is a form of self-sabotage. It keeps you stuck. Now, the last common form of self-sabotage with money is just not having a plan for your money, not having a vision of where you want to take your life and how your money can help support you on that path. I really think that this is the ultimate in self-sabotage, not planning your future, not owning the future as your property. And again, most people don't do that because they don't want to be disappointed by their own self-sabotage. So they just sabotage everything ahead of time by not setting goals, which sounds so silly and crazy, but it's true. A lot of us are terrified of our own potential that instead of making plans to develop that potential, we just sabotage it so that we never have to go through the uncomfortableness that we know we will have to go through in order to reach that full potential and to share it with the world. People don't like it when I say that you need to have a plan for your money, which is just crazy to me when people get mad at me for saying that, but they get mad because they think it's limiting and restrictive, but it's not. It's the opposite. How are you supposed to know how to manage your money as a tool in your life if you have no idea what you're actually building? It is the most ridiculous thing, but When you have a plan and you know where you're heading, it is the opposite of restrictive and limiting. It is the most liberating thing that you can do. Like I said, taking ownership of the future and making it yours. Having you happen to your life instead of letting your life happen to you. And having financial goals that you're working on at any given point in time and knowing the timeline of those goals and what is required from you during that time is so critical to planning your future and taking ownership. So those are the most common forms of financial self-sabotage that I see. I'll just run through them again quickly. Avoidance, buffering with overspending, overthinking and over-worrying about money, and not having a plan or a vision for your financial goals. And this point has come up so many times here, but I'm just going to keep reiterating it because I have to remind myself of this constantly. And I just know that we can all benefit from hearing this again and again. You cannot avoid discomfort. Life is 50-50. It's going to feel 50% good. It's going to feel 50% bad. And discomfort is going to be a part of the ride. You see this when you self-sabotage. All you're doing when you self-sabotage is you are just delaying and prolonging the discomfort to some future moment, but you're not actually escaping it. In fact, actually, if you think about it this way, when you self-sabotage, you're just making yourself go through the discomfort twice. You have to go through it after you've self-sabotaged and you feel the discomfort and the disappointment of that self-sabotage. But then you're also going to have to go through the discomfort again for a second time 
when you decide to stop self-sabotaging and you actually have to go through the discomfort that you were trying to avoid when you were self-sabotaging in the first place. Does that make sense? I know that was kind of an earful, but when you self-sabotage, you are just putting yourself through the discomfort twice instead of just going through the discomfort once. None of us can escape the discomfort that is a part of being a human being. And honestly, we all create so much discomfort for ourselves by thinking that there shouldn't be discomfort. But if we can embrace the discomfort in the moment more often and we stop trying to put it on the back burner and just be like, nah, I'll deal with this later, then we can stop self-sabotaging. It's reminding yourself, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable either way. So do I want to just get it over with and go through a shorter version of the discomfort now? Or do I want to have it hanging over my head and deal with this to a larger degree at some point in the future? So it's kind of like, would you rather have the temporary discomfort now versus the extended discomfort in the future? That's the trade-off that we have to choose from. And I just want to leave you with this. I want you to think about the most prominent ways that you self-sabotage with your finances. And then I want you to ask yourself the question, what is the discomfort that I am trying to avoid in the future when I blank, when I don't check in with my money, when I don't set financial goals for myself, when I indulge in the worry and the overwhelm, when I'm constantly buffering with overspending? Like, What is that future discomfort that my brain is trying to protect me from? And once you have that answer, then I want you to think about the discomfort that you create for yourself long-term when you avoid the discomfort in the present. Yes, it's uncomfortable to get a grip on your financial situation when things aren't going so hot, but it's also uncomfortable for your finances to keep getting worse and worse and worse because you have your head in the sand. The longer-term discomfort is almost always worse than the shorter-term discomfort. So I want you to give some thought to that. And then I want you to remind yourself that your brain is just looking out for you. It's trying to protect you, but you know best. Your lizard caveman brain does not know best. Your caveman brain is trying to keep you in the cave so that you don't venture out and get eaten by a wild animal. But a lot of our primal fears and a lot of our coping mechanisms They don't serve us in today's world in the way that they served us in the caveman days. It's just reminding your brain that, okay, brain, I see you trying to protect me here. I see you not wanting to be uncomfortable, but everything is okay. We're safe. I can handle the discomfort right now because I'd rather go through it now and just get through it than push it off into the future and have it hanging over my head. We have to be careful not to get caught in the trap that life should be comfortable all the time or that we should be happy all of the time. Because ironically, that is the belief and the thoughts that lead to the self-sabotage. It's the beliefs and the thoughts that have us resisting that uncomfortableness so much. We think that we can prolong it, like we can delay it and we won't experience it as big. But I think the opposite is true. If we could experience the discomfort ahead of time, If we can experience the uncomfortableness now instead of self-sabotaging, then the discomfort has a short shelf life versus it being prolonged. And usually when we don't show up to something, we have to show up to it eventually. 
To end this episode, I'm just going to read you a really short excerpt from a book that I recently finished. It's called The Mountain Is You, and the author is Brianna Weist. I think I'm saying her last name correctly, but it is a book all about self-sabotage. If this is a topic that you're really wanting to dive into deeper and understand on a deeper level, I do recommend that you get and read this book. But she does also talk about this concept of how you cannot escape discomfort. Here's what she says. She says, the truth is that there is no way to escape discomfort. It finds us wherever we are. But we are either going to feel uneasy, pushing past our self-imposed limits, breaking boundaries, and becoming who we dream of being, or we're going to feel it as we sit and mull over fears we fabricated to justify why we refuse to stand up and begin. She says, fear is not going to protect you. Action is. Worrying is not going to protect you. Preparing is. Overthinking is not going to protect you. Understanding is. So that is what I have for you this week. I really hope that you've enjoyed this conversation on self-sabotage. I really hope that it's helped you think about self-sabotage differently. And make sure to tune back in next week because like I said, next week we're going to be talking about the opposite of self-sabotage, which is self-care. I hope you all have such an amazing week. I love you all dearly. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.